Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How we doing? We good? A lot of energy in the room. I love it. A lot of energy all day long. I was greeting people in the lobby and talking to folks. Everybody seems to be in a good mood. If you're not in a good mood, get around some of the other folks because they're in a good mood. It'll rub off on you. We're glad that you're here today. Welcome to those of you that are watching online today. If you couldn't be with us, we're thankful that you joined us from wherever you are. I know we always have folks tuning in from home, uh, from work, from the beach. We're jealous of those folks, but other, otherwise, we're thankful for uh, all of you that are here in the room and those that are watching online. And uh, there's a lot of great things happening. Uh, I, I talked to two or three people that were just talking about what a great day it was last week. Last week, we had our 10th anniversary celebration and uh, we, we talked about it even on, on that day and over the course of the month of January. But we celebrated our 10-year anniversary on Saturday, January the 8th. But we were in the middle of a fast. We didn't want to try to tempt you with cupcakes on a fast. So we waited till that was over and we celebrated last Sunday and just celebrated the goodness of God to us over these last 10 years and all of the great things that he has done among us in that time period from the days we met at Sequoia High School to the time that we were meeting upstairs in this building for worship, to the time that we're downstairs, and just all of the days in between. It's not just about location, but God has continued to move and shape us into what I believe he desires to do through us. And so I'm thankful for a wonderful celebration last Sunday. And if you weren't with us, you can go back and watch on our YouTube channel, or on the podcast, and just, just kind of catch up on that, that retelling of the story of God toward us over these last 10 years. And then we are in a great season of things to come. We're going to be in this Fight For It series all month long here in February. And then in March, we're just saying that like March is going to be a hustle, okay? March is just going to be a hustle because on the first Sunday of March, you're going to hear more about this next week. You're going to have an opportunity to register beginning next week. But we do have a couple to couple beginning on March the 6th. And this is really an incredible event. You heard about it just a little bit, but it's, gonna, it's an incredible event for couples that are married, those that are in committed relationships, that uh, we just want to help you to invest in that relationship uh, and recognize that the struggles that you have, the, the successes that you have, they are not unique to you, that all of us share in those types of commonalities. And so we want to gather together for four Sunday nights. We're going to eat together. We're going to play some games together. We're going to be inspired. We're going to be challenged. Uh, and it's going to be a great four weeks. So that starts the first Sunday of March. And then the second Sunday of March, we start our annual At the Movies series on Sunday morning. That is an incredible few weeks. It's three weeks, the, the 13th, 20th, and 27th, for you to invite someone to come and be with you at church that may not otherwise accept an invitation. And so we're going we're gonna to use those three weeks. We, we use some movie clips. We have popcorn and drinks and candy, and the kids are going to have a, a movie that they're a part of. And we're not just sitting around watching movies, but we're looking for the greatest story ever told and these incredible truths in stories that we've seen uh, on the screens. And, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that you'll be a part of that and that you'll bring some folks with you during those three weeks. So there's just a lot coming up as we prepare our hearts for Easter and what's to come really in just a, a little over two months. Uh, which is crazy to me, that we're already in February here in 2022. And, and just one other thing that you need to know about is next week, you don't want to miss that because I'm going to kind of just get out of the way a little bit. I'll be up here some, but my wife, Corey, is going to come and help me to share an incredible message as we talk about fight for it. We're going to talk about fighting for our, our families and fighting for our marriages. And so I want you to be here next Sunday. It's going to be a really, really great day. Today we kick off the series Fight For It. I, I was only in two fights ever in my whole life. I know you look at me and you're like, you look like a bruiser. That's misleading. I'm not. I'm really not. But uh, I, I got in a fight with my younger brother one time 
it was over a humongous issue about what we were going to eat for dinner that night. And, uh, and like, it wasn't just an argument. We had a lot of those. But this was like a knockdown, drag out. Like, he was more knocked down than I was. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, uh, but my parents were out of town. And we had like a babysitter. I don't think you can call it a babysitter as, as old as we were. But we had some kind of child care attendant staying at our house because our parents were out of town for the weekend. And, and the, the, the folks that were staying with us, it was, it was two college students. They were staying at our house for that weekend. And, and they made a mistake. It's their fault, honestly. They gave us the option of what we wanted to do for dinner. Like, they should have just told us. They should have just dictated that to us. We're going here for dinner. But they were like, hey, what do you guys want? Well, Jason and I, while now as adults we are incredible friends, we are as opposite as night and day. So really what would happen is whatever he would choose, I would say the opposite. Whatever I would choose, he would say the opposite. And we just could not find a compromise, it's not that we couldn't find a compromise. We didn't want to find a compromise. You understand what I'm saying? So you've been there. So we were in the kitchen, and we were arguing about where we were going to go. And let's just say it got down to the final two. Can't really remember. Wasn't really that locked into the conversation. But let's just say we were trying to decide between Taco Bell and Wendy's. And that was like, you know, East and West Berlin. Like it was, we, were, we had dug in. Like this is the fight of the ages. And it eventually went to, to throwing punches. And these college students, they acted like they had never seen conflict in their whole life. Like, they just allowed it to happen like the refs at a hockey game. Like, I don't know what they were watching, but like, I was, I mean, I'm throwing punches, he's throwing punches, most of them missed. But I was like, are y'all not going to get in this at some point? Like, you're going to break us up? Like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but my parents are going to be disappointed in how you've controlled this house. So eventually it just stopped. I think we got tired. Um, and so that was one fight. And I don't remember who won, but he lost. And so then when I was in the eighth grade, all right, so now I'm a good student. Uh, I, I'd never really gotten in trouble much at school, but I was in the eighth grade, and, uh, and so we were in class one day, and I don't know what happened. I guess maybe it was just like a, a different kind of authority figure or whatever, but, you know, it was child care attendant, babysitter on the first one. There was a substitute teacher that day. Like, I, I can't explain it, but uh, I was in science class, and I was sitting with some guys that were on the baseball team, and, and so we're sitting together, and we're laughing and having fun. Well, there was this guy on the team. You know who those guys are on whatever team you've been a part of. You probably have some people like this at work, but they're just not nice people. They're just, you know, whatever you want to call them. And so this guy, he's sitting next to me. He takes a pencil. It's like shaved way down. He takes a pencil, and he throws it across the room to hit a guy on the other side of the room that, you know, we together collectively didn't like. I don't even remember why we didn't like him, but we didn't like him. And so he throws a pencil at that guy, because evidently that's what you do in eighth grade. And so, well, they were smart. Evidently they were big, you know, big fighters in their life. So as soon as the pencil's flying in the air, I'm watching its trajectory. They act like they are the most studious people ever. They immediately start working. They don't even see where that bomb dropped. I'm trying to see like what happened. It hits that guy when he looks in our direction. I'm the only one staring back at him. Just <laughs> Everybody else is not paying attention. So he thinks I threw it, right? Well, I didn't throw it, but he thinks I threw it. So now I'm like, oh, wow, I'm caught. Okay, so he throws the pencil back at our table and he hits me pretty hard right in the forehead. And I mean, I've always been afraid of lead poisoning, but I was convinced I got it. I was convinced in that moment, I think I caught it. I don't know what happened. It stuck in my forehead. So I'm like, okay, that was dangerous. Does he realize how dangerous that was? And so I'm, the sub is not even paying attention. I don't even know if the sub's there, right? And so I'm like, okay. So at this point, I'm mad. I pick up the pencil. I actually probably dislodged it from my forehead. And so I pick it up and I fire it across the room back at him. Well, it hits him because I got pretty good aim, right? So it hits him, and he looks at me and stares at me like I stole his milk money, but he doesn't do anything. And I'm like, all right, I won. So I go back to working, 
He walks up to hand his paper into the substitute, and he comes the long way back to his seat, and from behind me, he hits me in the head. I know, it was shameful, right? So he hits me in the back of the head, and I don't know, I played a lot of Mike Tyson punch out on video games in my life, and so when he hits me in one motion, I mean, in my mind's eye, I was pretty athletic. I took one motion, and I turned around, I hit him right in the chin. Right in the, now maybe it was the shoulder, I don't know, but I mean, I hit him somewhere, and it felt really good, and I thought, okay, I won, but I didn't knock him out, so he comes, like, slapping back at me. Well, then, much better than the babysitters. My friends jumped in, you know, broke this thing up pretty quickly, and the sub comes up. He doesn't know what to do, so he just takes us both to the office. It was the only time I ever got in trouble in that form at school. I got suspended for three days. I was like, that guy threw the pencil, and that guy threw the punch. I was defending myself, but because the sub wasn't paying attention, there was no corroborating evidence. They didn't believe me. I probably deserved it anyway, and so I got suspended for three days. So please don't think less of me. That was really the only two fights. I feel like I won them both. Um, so I'm 2-0. You know, I don't know what that does in the world rankings, but I'm 2-0 in the, in, the, in the boxing world championships. Not a fighter. Really not. Corey and I don't fight, but when we have disagreements about, you know, what I've done wrong, I'm the first one to apologize, even if I didn't do anything wrong in my mind. Like, we're talking about stuff, and I'm like, I'm sorry. For what? Whatever you're upset about. I don't know. <laughs> Can we just move past this, please? I don't, I don't love fights. I don't love arguments. I don't love conflict. But there are some things in life that we should be fighting for. Now, I think it's important to recognize that I don't necessarily think we should be picking fights all the time. I don't think we should be walking around trying to find someone to fight with. And unfortunately, in the present day, there are a lot of people looking for fights. I don't think that's just in our day. I think it's happened a lot throughout history. But in this present day, where all of us are equipped with devices, where we can pick fights from the comfort of our bedroom and the comfort of our desk, we can type things that feel like bullets to other people that we don't actually know. Or maybe we do know them in, in some form, and we have chosen to make them the enemy, and we have taken away who they are as people, and they just become uh, some type of issue or policy, or they just become some random dispute that we take one side and they're on the other side, and we lose the personalities and we lose the humanity in that. And so I think a lot of people are just walking around right now looking for fights. Now, I do think there are things you should stand for. We're going to talk about that a little bit over this month. But I also think that if we embody the personality and the character and the nature of Jesus Christ, which is what we model ourselves after as we live here on the earth, we should recognize that we are fighting for something, not fighting with someone. Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not the people that are in front of you that are actually the issue. We are fighting a much larger battle. But I want to remind you that that battle's actually already been won. That for those of us that have aligned our lives and put our lives in pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we've aligned ourselves with the one who wins the war. If you read through scripture, we believe that this battle has already been won. It's already been overcome. And yet so often what we do is we make the person in front of us or the people in front of us or the groups in front of us the brunt of our attacks. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so when we talk about fighting for something, I want us to take a, a little more zoomed out view for the next four weeks. And so today I want to go to a story that's in the book of Genesis. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to go there with me. You've got an app, the Bible app, you can, you can go there as well. 
the book of Genesis, and really when you jump into this story, you're, you're kind of looking somewhere around chapter 27, uh, 28. That's the beginning of this story of a guy named Jacob. And this is a pretty famous story for many people, but if you don't know it, that's okay. You don't need to feel bad about that. We're going we're gonna to kind of retell most of the story of Jacob. We're going to hit the high points today. But Jacob from birth was a guy who was kind of fighting, scratching, clawing for something. And so Jacob from birth, he was a twin. His brother's name was Esau. Esau was born like a few seconds before Jacob because Jacob was clutching Esau's hill as he was, as he was born. And so his name in its, in its kind of root uh, of the form of that name is, is clutches the heel or, or the one who hangs on. And so when you start looking at him from birth, he was trying to kind of make something of himself. If you want to really imply, he was trying to get ahead. He was trying to, to be the first one. He was trying to make sure he didn't miss out on anything. Jacob seemed to have a ton of FOMO in his life, right? And so what happens is as he gets older, Jacob and Esau become two different individuals. They're, they're, not, a lot like, they're not a lot unlike me and my brother in that they're totally different. Esau was a man's man. He was a hunter, hunter-gatherer. I mean, he's going out and hunting things and bringing it back, killing stuff. That's what we would eat as a family. So, like, this is who Esau is. He was hairy, we would learn about later in the story. Jacob's not like that. Jacob, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way because I am one, Jacob was a mama's boy. Like, Scripture even says, like, his mom loved him, right? He was hanging out by the tents. While Esau was going out to hunt, Jacob was just hanging out at home. He was a great cook. And so one day Esau has been out hunting in the fields and he comes back and he is so hungry that he makes the worst trade ever. Like the, it doesn't even make sense why he would do this, but he says to Jacob, hey, will you make me something to eat? Will you make me some soup? And Jacob says, absolutely, I'll do that if you'll trade me your birthright. Okay, well, if we're looking from the outside in, that's a dumb trade, right? It's like, no, I'm just going to ask someone else to make me food. But he has this conversation with his brother. Now, a birthright would have been a lot of things. Ultimately, what Jacob was asking Esau to give him is in name, he was asking him to make him the firstborn son. So Esau had been first. Jacob's clutching the heel. He's trying to be first. He's trying to get, you know, be a part of what's happening there. And so he's saying, I want you to make me, on paper, the firstborn son. So when our parents die, the birthright, the firstborn son, would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance. It doesn't matter how many siblings there were. He would have gotten two-thirds because he would have gotten his share, and he would have gotten a share to provide for the rest of the family. And so he would have gotten two-thirds of the inheritance, so there's a financial aspect to getting this birthright. He would have been the protector and the provider. He would have become kind of the, the patriarch of the family. Once, once mom and dad die, he would have been in charge of the family. He ultimately could have dictated to his siblings or the grandchildren or the nieces and nephews, hey, we're going to pick up all of our stuff and we're going to move, and they would have had to follow in that season. And so he's saying, hey, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a bowl of soup if you'll give me all of that. And I mean, I've been hungry before. I mean, I've been, I've been hungry, but that's a terrible trade. And yet Esau's like, okay, I'll do that. And so just a reminder here, we're not talking about Esau today, but like never let yourself get so hungry in whatever form that you're willing to make bad trades. Like in temptation and in the needs and the things that you desire, James tells us that we are led away by our own desires. Like just, just make sure you stay full. Your tank stays full in every aspect so you don't make bad trades that actually cost you more than you want to pay. So let's just put Esau aside. So Jacob gets the birthright. He kind of steals it. He deceives to get the birthright. 
later on, his dad's growing old and it's kind of coming to the end of his life. And so he wants to bless his children. This is something that we see throughout the Old Testament. We continue to see it in various forms today for sure. But in this form, this would have been a fatherly blessing to declare over his children kind of what their future is going to look like. Like, hey, here's what's going to happen for you and for your children. And here's the promises of God that I'm declaring over you yet again. And so uh, Jacob's mom hears that this is what, you know, the father has asked, Isaac has asked of Esau, go out and get me something to eat, bring it back, and I'm going to bless you as we eat this meal. She hears that. She says, hey, run real quick, get some food. I'll cook it up. Let's, uh, let's make you look like Esau. He's like, yeah, but my brother's hairy. He's like, we'll figure that out. So they put like animal skin on him. His dad's, you know, like his, his sight is going. He's, he's almost blind. So he comes in and he's like, who is that? And he's like, it's Esau, but it's actually Jacob kind of hiding here. And he was like, well, come close. I want to see. And because he's in animal hair, he smells like the outdoors. He's like, well, it smells like Esau. He rubs the skin. It's hairy. I mean, I don't know what, you know, the hair felt like that felt like Esau, but it was like, okay, this is definitely what Esau kind of feels like. And so they eat the meal, and then he pronounces this incredible blessing meant for Esau over Jacob. So again, Jacob deceiving, stealing something, robbing something that wasn't meant for him. And so then Esau comes back after Jacob's done this, stolen the blessing. He leaves the tent. Esau comes back, prepares the meal like he's supposed to, brings it into the tent. And his father says, who is it? He says, it's Esau. I've done what you said. He said, well, you already came. And he's like, no, what, what are you talking about? He says, well, come close. And he feels Esau's arm and he smells him. And he says, what has Jacob done? He's stolen your blessing. Esau says, well, bless me too. Give me, give me a blessing. He says, well, I, I can't do that. I've already pronounced blessing. So he gives a blessing, but it's kind of a cross-handed blessing. It's like, hey, you're going to kind of be, be subservient to your brother. And, and the things that you desire, I can't pronounce over you because I've already given them to your younger brother. And so you can see that there is strife in this family. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe nobody ever stole your birthright. Maybe nobody ever stole your blessing, but maybe you just don't want to sit across the Thanksgiving table from them. There's strife. There's angst here. But if you look at the story of Jacob, this was a man who all of his life was looking for a good deal. And so Jacob gets word that Esau wants to kill him through his mom, and he goes on the run. And we're going to skip over some of that story because we're going to revisit it a little bit later this year. But Jacob goes on the run and he eventually gets married and he, he, he's this, got this great love story that's kind of wrapped in this weird love story and it's kind of a cool thing. But eventually the Lord says to Jacob, I want you to go back home. You've been on the run, but I want you to go back home and I want you to go back to your brother and I want you to make things right. And he's a little bit nervous about that and this is what it says in Genesis 32, beginning in verse 9. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. And also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea which cannot be counted. I love the, the imagery that's here. As Jacob is preparing to go and meet Esau, we see the emotion of what he's feeling. He's terrified, and rightfully so. He's going back to a guy, and he's bringing with him all the blessings of God that he knows in the back of his mind are a result of his deception. 
all that he possesses, all that he is carrying. I mean, he says we split into two camps. Like all of his family, all of his children, he's split up into two camps. All of his possessions, all the livestock, everything that he has, he split up. And he's sending them ahead of him so that when Esau sees all of these things before Jacob ever appears, he just continues to see the blessings of God. But what Jacob had instructed, we're going to read this in just a second. What Jacob had instructed is anytime you get to Esau or any of his men, when they ask you, who is this and who do you belong to? Say, this is my servant Jacob, and he is presenting it to you, Esau, his master. He's trying, he's trying to make sure that Esau's in a good mood when he shows up. You know what I'm saying? So he's afraid. And yet in the midst of his fear, in the midst of this prayer, he resolves it with what we just read in verse 12. He said, but you have said, O God, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And here's the great reminder for all of us. We cannot allow our fear to keep us from holding on to what God has previously said. In moments of fear, in moments of worry, in moments of uncertainty, so, it's so easy to let go of the promises of God. It's so easy to allow our fear to dictate our behavior. But we have to cling to the words of God. The promises of God are yes and amen. They can be trusted. And God had sent Jacob back home. And even though Jacob's afraid, he says, but listen, you're the one who sent me. So you're kind of on the hook here for the results. So I'm going to do this. We cannot allow our fear to keep us from holding on to what God had said. Verse 22, that night Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. This is that famous part of the story, if you've ever read it or heard it. But it's, it's a reminder to me that he didn't just have like a little fight in the kitchen over dinner. He didn't just have a little punch and match in eighth grade science class. He had to wrestle all night long. God could have supernaturally done what Jacob needed him to do. He could have shown up to him in a dream. He had previously done that. That's how Jacob even got to this moment. And yet in this part of the story, God chooses for it to be a 10-round, like just knock it down till you drop wrestling match all night long. And man, I've been challenged all week long with this thought. What might I have missed that I've been seeking from God because I gave up too soon? Like, what, what wrestling have I asked God? Like, God, I'm, I'm, willing, to, I'm willing to hang in here. I, I really need you to do something, but my prayers stop short. I pray a little prayer on Saturday morning at First Saturday Prayer, and we had a fantastic First Saturday Prayer yesterday. Great group, praying for you and the needs of our church and praying for today. But I, I pray some prayers maybe on First Saturday Prayer. I pray a little prayer on Sunday morning in our gatherings. Maybe, maybe before I walk into a meeting or I, I'm sitting at a meal, I'm, I'm praying like a little short prayer. Like, Lord, bless this food. You know, bless, bless my life. Help me on this test. Help me in this meeting. Help me with these people. And there are definitely times for prayers like that. But am I willing to go to war? Am I willing to wrestle? Am I willing to fight for all that I'm asking God to do? It took an all-night battle. I remember when I was younger, and this is some stuff that starts dating me a little bit, but I remember when I was younger, some of the older saints using words like, we're just going to tarry here. 
I, I didn't know what they meant when they said that. I thought they, they, they were saying the word wrong. Carry? What are we going to carry? No, we're going to tarry, T, tarry here. We're just going to linger here in the presence of God and continue to seek all that God has for us. And we're not going to leave here until we pray through. Like we're not going to leave here until we get whatever God has for us that we're seeking from him. We're going we're gonna to go to war. We're going to wrestle. We're going to fight all night long. Not to convince God, but to receive from God everything that he has for us. So this question, what is worth wrestling all night long for? Who is worth wrestling all night long for? What need do you have? What thing are you seeking from God? What, what blessing are you looking for? What answered prayer should you tarry in the presence of God and pursue all that he has for you? That requires more than just a little prayer. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I can't get over the fact that every single time I read that, what incredible courage it takes for Jacob to ask for that from God. It's like, no, 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 I'm, 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 gonna, I'm just going to kind of hang on here until I get what I need. I'm going to hang on here until you bless me. The man, the angel, whatever form you want to look at in this story that Jacob had been wrestling with all night long, he touched the hip. He, some scholars would say he dislocated his hip as a part of this battle, which means that beyond this moment, Jacob left and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. And can I just say to you that I think we all need to be really careful. We all need to be pretty leery of people who claim to have spent time with God and they leave with a strut instead of a limp. There are a lot of people in the big C church right now who claim to have spent time with God. And yet when they leave those types of encounters, they walk away with a sense of pride. They walk away with a sense of hubris instead of humility. If you really wrestle with God, if you really spend time seeking from God all that you need, it should leave you walking away with a little bit of a limp. Like, I've, I've wrestled I've sought all that God has for me, and I've been humbled to the place to recognize that it is not through my own power. It is not through my own strength. It's not through my own ability, but I've wrestled with the power of God. Be leery of people who claim to have spent time with God and leave with a strut and pride and confidence, not in God, but in themselves. Like, look what I have done, rather than humility that comes from recognizing who they've encountered. And so you see this incredible story play out, and it kind of concludes like this in verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob's wrestling match led to an identity change. We see that kind of pattern throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. His, his name Jacob, talking about clutching the heel, being a deceiver, seeking blessing in whatever form he could steal it from whoever had it. He saw something he wanted. He did everything to take possession of it. But the name Israel 
means one who wrestles with God, one who struggles with God. There's, a, there's an identity change here. And he wrestled, I'm sorry, he received his first blessing in deception. But he received this blessing out of desperation. He fought all night long and he would not leave that place until he received everything he needed from God. Because he knew what he was about to walk into. He knew he was about to encounter Esau and go before someone who probably hated him and who might want to take his life. And so he wanted to make sure before he walked into a moment like that, that he was equipped and empowered by the, by the supernatural power of God. He had received the blessing. It wasn't deception. It was desperation. I'm not leaving here. I'm not walking into whatever is before me until I get all of the strength that you can give me, until I get every ounce of blessing that you have for me. And let me just say to all of us, it's time to lay hold of the promises of God. It's time to fight for the goodness of God. The days of wimpy prayers are over. The days of minimal effort are over. The days of strutting in self-righteousness are over. It's time to get in the ring. It's time to go to battle. And we're not fighting with God. We're fighting for what God has for us. Before we start talking about over the rest of this month, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for my family and I'm going to fight for peace and I'm going to fight for all of these things that we're going to pull out of God's word and really seek all that God has for us. We need to start in relationship with God in pursuit of him. How many of us could say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to drop this in the chat if you're watching online. How many of us would say, you know what, my, my relationship with God is it's kind of lukewarm. Like, like it's kind of, you know, on again, off again. Like I feel close to him on Sundays, but I don't know that he hears me when I pray on Thursdays. I like the songs we sing when we gather, but I don't know when to worship and how to worship when I'm in my car. Like, I like the relationships I have with people in my groups, but I don't know how deep my relationship is with God when I'm by myself. We want all that God has for us. It's about a pursuit of a holy God that loved us so much that he moved first. I don't want us to miss that fact. Jacob didn't go to God. God came to him before he walked into that battle before he walked in or what he assumed was going to be a battle with Esau. And so we should, we should thank God for his pursuit of us and we should respond by asking for and fighting for all that God has for us to seek it out, to pursue it with all of our heart, not just some of our heart, all of our effort, not just some of our effort, giving everything that we have in pursuit of a God. What is worth wrestling with God all night long? Who is worth wrestling with God all week long this coming week? What's worth it? Who is worth it? Asking God. God, I, I need everything you've got for me. I need every blessing, every ounce of courage, every ounce of strength because of what I assume may lay before me. God, I'm fighting for everything you have. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, I know that what you're saying sounds great, but I'm not in relationship with God to start with. I, I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I'm not in relationship. If that's you, 
I would love today to have the honor to lead you towards a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so you're not by yourself if you feel that way. And so if you would say today, Jeremy, I need to be forgiven. And I need him to be my Lord. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Nobody's looking around. We're going to pray for you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Anybody watching online that making that decision, just drop that in the chat today. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, it's not salvation for me, but I've got something I need to fight for. And I'm going to seek it out. I'm going I'm to wrestle as long as it takes to take hold of all that God has for me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. Tons of hands today. God, we thank you that you are a God who pursued us. We thank you that you're a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. God, we thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy. God, we thank you that we can cling to your promises even when we are afraid, like we read in the story of Jacob. We thank you, God, that you can humble us, and that should be something that we seek as we recognize who you are and who we are not. But God, we also thank you that you pour out your blessings upon us. And so, Lord, I pray today for every person that's acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, would you forgive their sins and guide and direct their days. So, God, we thank you for what you're doing right now in their life. And we ask you for the courage and strength for them to trust you every single day. And, God, we pray for every person who says, I got something to fight for, and I'm going to go to war. I'm going to get everything that God has for me, and I'm going to go to battle for the things that I believe that God has the strength and power to overcome. So God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In your seat when you came in, there were some elements of communion. If you didn't receive those, there's some guys in the back. You can just lift your hand, they'll bring them to you. We're gonna take communion today. This is something that we love to do on a regular basis here at Generations Church. And when we do, we follow the words of scripture that tell us that we should do this often. And when we do so, we do it in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you just to take the elements that you have there, and I'm going to ask you just to peel that clear layer back and get access to that little cracker, that bread piece there, and just hold it in your hand for a second. We talk about sacrifice. We talk about a battle. This is ultimately what provides victory for us. The battle of good versus evil culminated at the cross. And Jesus had laid down his life. He had submitted his will to the will of the Father. And so as he sat with his disciples, he said at that last supper with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. And that brokenness provides for our wholeness. And whatever brokenness exists in your life today, I believe that God can restore and redeem. And so I encourage you today, even before you eat this in a second, if you know there's something broken in you or in relationship, that you would ask God to help you to seek and to find wholeness today. Let's break it and eat it together. You can pull back that next layer, that purple layer there, and get access to the cup. Jesus also said to his disciples, when he took the cup, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And when we think about covenant relationship. It was a commitment from him to be all that we need. But as we take this blood of the new covenant, it's juice in this cup. 
this representation of this covenant relationship with God, what we're saying is we don't work for salvation, but we work from salvation. We work from healing. We work from forgiveness. And so we receive the sacrifice of Jesus today. And in response to that, we live in a different way. We don't live in the same way that other people around us live and conduct themselves. We say, no, no, we have received the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so in response to that, we will give our lives and live our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let's take and drink together today. God, I thank you for all that's been accomplished today. And Lord, I thank you for those that are in attendance, those that are watching online. I pray that as we leave this place, as we leave from this gathering, God, we would carry your presence with us and that everywhere we go, we would be a symbol of your life, the embodiment of your grace and love and truth to those around us. And God, I pray that this week we are prepared to go to battle and that God, we would seek all that you have for us. You're not hiding from us. You're not trying to hide things from us. But God, your word tells us that when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. So God, we commit ourselves to seeking you more than we ever have before, to leaning in more than we ever have before. And God, we thank you for all that you will do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.